The Premier News Podcast, talking music videos in association with Loop Talent. Welcome to another episode of the Premier News Podcast with David Knight and me, Robbie Litsky, where we talk music videos with a person making an impact in music video creativity right now. Our guest in this episode is Olivia Rose, a director and photographer who has helmed music videos for the likes of Georgia Smith, Black, Skepta, Lola Young and Sasha Keeble. It was Olivia's success as a photographer. She has photos in the contemporary collection of the National Portrait Gallery, which led her into directing moving images. In our discussion, Olivia talks about that journey and how she has changed as a director since her first video for Georgia Smith. Olivia has just signed to Stink Films, and when we spoke to her in early October, had just begun working on a new exciting project. I'm in London now, but yesterday I was in Blackpool on the coast, and the winds were like... 60 miles an hour and I virtually got my eyeballs sandblasted so I'm actually quite pleased to be back in London today. So what were you doing in Blackpool? Uh, a recce, I was doing a recce for a, for a job that I must not mention yet. Oh, oh, oh. Do you know what, that's an instant way to provide mystery around a job yeah. is to say anything to do with an NDA or not being able to talk about it. Yeah, everyone's hooked. Very now. exciting, doesn't it? <laughs> so let's to start. So you're, are you from London? Yes, I'm a born and bred Londoner, and I'm, I'm quite proud of that fact as well. My mum's from Bethnal Green, so she's a a real East London girl, and then my dad's got his family in Bermuda. So I've got some, I've got some island heritage as well, which is, oh, I right. kind of, it kind of makes up me really. Is those two things mixed together? So you had a place to get away from London to <laughs> until the dreaded pandemic yeah um and actually it's my my grandma's the one who still lives in Bermuda and she's 90 this year so we're kind of trying to work out as a family whether or not we're all gonna have to go to her or if she can come to us for her birthday this Christmas so oh, wow yeah so photography how did you become a photographer where, where was the starting point for photography for you well I think Probably the the funniest thing about my photography career is that I became one reluctantly. Um, it really? was, yeah, really, really. Um, I went to I was kind of like a a bit of a boffin at school, a bit of a high achiever, you know. And I kind of wanted to carry that through into into the rest of my life, and wanted to steer away from photography because that's what my dad did, and. Oh. So I went, I knew I, I knew I had to be a creative. That much was very clear um, because that was the only thing that, that, you know, drew me in so passionately. But I, I actually applied for everything but photography. <laughs> it was the only course that I was accepted onto, which was fucking devastating for the, for the high achiever in me. And then double that with, oh, and this was the one thing I didn't want to do. Um, but here we are now. So, talk about your 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 dad then. Would you mind talking about him and what the what influence he had on you? As a no, not at all. Um, so my dad is, um, you know, I had quite a typical uh, suburban white middle class, you know, child of divorced parents upbringing. And my dad, although his work was sort of around me in the house, wasn't present in my in my upbringing. So his you know, I suppose in some ways, um, things like Robin Bell, who's my black and white printer, who's, you know, forgive me for saying an old boy, but he's an old boy, you know, like a real craftsman. Um, 
And he is someone I remember from my childhood being, you know, five and stood by my dad's legs while he went to a, a proper black and white printer. So definitely some of the romance and kind of memory and emotion that is wrapped up now for me for, with photography comes from, you know, that that bizarre psychological thing that seems to happen, you know, genetically or socially I think socially I was trying to reject it but it was very clear to me that genetically I was a photographer and that was something that I sort of couldn't get away from in the end but my dad he's called Alistair Morrison and he is he's someone who's done some pretty amazing work in his time and you know without meaning to um my career and his career really mirror each other and I think that's one of the kind of fascinating things that despite maybe trying to steer myself away from it, you know, he and I both have a our sort of break, I suppose. You know, the moment when people started recognising our work was when we were shooting the up and coming, in my case, musicians, in his case, actors and actresses. So, yeah. um, you know, he took Liz Hurley's first ever press shots and I took Georgia Smith's first ever press shots, you know. So there's... You know, there's something weirdly that really mirrors itself with that. And I think one of my most proud moments um, now that I've come to terms with the fact that I am a photographer and there's nothing I can do about it um, <laughs> was being asked to be in the National Portrait uh, Permanent Archive. And that was something that was so important to me because we went through this whole process um, and kind of got, I got to the end of the in-person conversation with the National Portrait Gallery. And it was then that I said, do you guys know who my dad is? Hmm. And they had no idea. And that was the most important thing to me. You know, I dropped my surname for that reason. He knows this, so he wouldn't be shocked to hear it, you know. And, and I think he understands why I didn't want to ride the coattails for more than one reason, you know. And that's part of the psychology that makes up me now, I suppose. And actually is probably one of the things that has kind of developed my fascination for people. My, yeah, my... my... Yeah, that's evident. That's really evident in your work. So obviously um, you're versatile. You do street photography, portrait, fashion, kind of different brands. What's your favourite way of working? Do your methods and practice change kind of between different disciplines? Yes, my methods and practices, you know, they they have to change between different disciplines. And I think especially when we're making the comparison between photography and film, um, although they, of course, share the same fundamental core, um, the sort of method, the process for me is a very different one. And to answer your question in you know, my favorite working method. Well, for photography, at my heart, my my best photography, my best work, it doesn't necessarily come out of the scenario that I'm photographing, but it does come from a place of 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 me and my camera and God's own light, I call it, you know. Sure. The less fuss around me, the more I can even pretend the camera's not even there and connect directly to whoever it is that I'm photographing. That's where my strength lies as a photographer, you know, like I'm the first person to say, fuck the technology. I don't shoot digital. <laughs> I'm not interested in digital cameras. I don't understand them. There's no point asking me to shoot with one because it won't look right. What I love, you know, I'm a, I'm a romantic, I'm an old school 
lonely traveler romantic person who you know I love the alchemy and the chemistry of the lab and I love analog and I love you know I love that I don't know what I've shot because there's a beauty to that right and in a world my god where everything is you know what we have the attention spans of goldfish now because you can't even hold us on an Instagram post for three seconds it's tragic really you know I like a print something you can hold in your hand and smell and a photo book you know so so if that's me as a photographer it's the opposite for film you know and that is actually from a psychological point of view for the creative I think the hardest struggle in the transition between photography to to production to moving image I just wanted to ask you about This Is Grime, the book that came out in 2016. And um, how did that happen? That was one of the moments in my career where I had been working for ID Magazine a lot. And there, at the time, I think their features editor, she was, Hattie, did a shoot with me. And it was 10 years of uh, Lord of the Mics which was one of the events that used to be put on for the grime MCs to spit against each other. So we did this. We didn't mean to make it so huge, but somehow uh, what should have been probably a one-day kind of six-person shoot, because I think we only had six pages allocated in the magazine, turned into a three-day, 40-person, you know, like kind of... I mean, Hattie dug out people who who hadn't been mentioned in the grime scene for 10 years, you know. So we had all of these people in one place. And that's where I first met Stormzy. That was where I first met Big Nasty, DEE, you know, everyone that I met in grime. And I think it was after that Hattie said to me, you know, like, wow, I didn't think it was going to go that well. And I'm like, what? (laughs) <laughs> it's like well you know they're, they're notoriously a difficult bunch you know the the grime MCs, and you just handled it and I was like yeah, of course I did you know because to me it was you know I, I kind of have a a long history of being fascinated by masculinity by um race by you know the different social settings that people come from especially here in the UK you know that's always been a focus of mine and and in answer to your sort of general question about the book, This Is Grime, David, you know, it's it's kind of a project that is was one of the um, most important learning or unlearning processes of, of my life. I would go as far as to say my life, you know, at, at the same time as being one of the most, you know, it, it's bittersweet. Sometimes I describe mm. it as having created the book and then feeling like I had postnatal depression, you know, because I'd put all of this love into this project and had suddenly realized my place in it and being a white middle-class woman, you know, and I'm not a, a male black MC, which was what the majority, you know, it's black music. It's, it's a world that, I don't come from and I think I've spent a lot of time having to question whether it was my place um I consolidate myself with that now you know because because moving forward in my career I know that I've always had an intention behind my work and I think 
what I would love to do is see the unexpected in people, see beyond the immediate stereotype of any given person. Yeah, um, I mean, that's important, isn't it? In, yeah. in uh, you know, I mean, that it really does that. I mean, because you, you see the people, you're not, in a way, it's very much unlike what we what we expect to see in a video. Yeah. Um, you're actually seeing them as they are. I mean, the shot of Stormzy with his mum, it's such a lovely photograph. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and that's one of the ones that was selected, wasn't it, for the National Portrait exactly. Gallery? Exactly, yeah. So you started directing kind of moving image in 2018 with Georgia Smith's Blue Lights. How did that come around? You mentioned you did, you did her first press shots. Was it yeah. kind of a natural extension from that? Um, well, actually, the, the first thing I ever did was a TVC, which is like oh. said nobody ever, right? <laughs> um, and that came about because of my sheer bullheadedness when it comes to opportunity. And um, I had a friend who was working at the mill who said to me, oh, we've got this Spotify spot with the Brits. We're shooting a girl called Georgia Smith. Do you know anyone who would be good, you know, for a for a kind of video piece? I said, yeah, me. Photographer. And I said, and yeah. she said, well, you're, you know, you're, you know, you're not. You'd have to write a treatment. You, you know, and honestly, this is the God's honest truth. Cue me googling what is a treatment, right? <laughs> and like the rest is kind of history. You know, I'm. I can be, and I think this is probably something that will resonate, you know, with with our particular brand of listener, you know, like I think I toe a line between massive insecurity and just the most enormous ego, you know. And if you prod me in the right way, and that is by telling me that I'm not something or I can't do something, man, it lights a fire under my ass. You know, that's it. I have to prove that I can do it. So I was like, that job is mine. You know, obviously I did a little bit of the, you know, hi, Georgia, how are you? You know, so that we got a nice little thumbs up from the other side. But um, but on set that day, and I was so nervous, I was so nervous that when we went home in the Uber, I had to stop it to actually physically be sick. That was the adrenaline. That was oh. On set that day, I felt like, and this is how I always describe it, and it, and it maybe sounds a bit um, twee, but I felt like I'd come home. It was everything I was missing from being a photographer in that there were all of these people here together to to help me create this vision for a start. Um, And everything I didn't care about, like I said earlier, the, the tech, the camera, you know, like whatever, it's just my tool, was suddenly in the hands of someone else. And I had Rena Yang on my first ever shoot. So, I mean, <laughs> locked good hands. Locked out. I was a yeah. lucky girl, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, that was a real moment for me. I, before that, I had never, never thought, and, and I mean this, I'd never once thought, oh, I want to be a director and maybe photography is a good way into it. You know, if anything, my story goes, God, I don't want to be a photographer. Fuck now I'm a director. what's next you know and I'm really lucky for that because it keeps my life interesting so who knows what next maybe cab driver you never know yeah (laughs) come full circle do you remember obviously that obviously led on to the the blue lights video yeah do you do you kind of remember 
that experience for kind of obviously there's a lot of cast in that and yeah. it kind of feels almost like moving portraits a lot of the, yeah. the vignettes was that kind of in the treatment yes and blue lights okay so I think blue lights is probably one of my videos that is closest to the treatment that I presented for the idea and interestingly that came about it was me and Georgia having a a kind of WhatsApp conversation. I think I was typing and she was voice noting. <laughs> and I just knew that we both had the same idea. And I knew that we were both going to say, let's go up to Walsall. Let's really like go into what your lyrics are about here. And I remember us, it was like we were having a race because we knew we were about to reel off the same creative. So she's saying it and I'm furiously typing it, trying to, you know, trying to beat her to the, here is it? But, you know, it, it sort of came at the same time. And, you know, with with maybe one or two <laughs> minor differences in all of these little little details that you don't need to have spelled out to you that speak to you when you watch the video back. You know, the the gentleman who's in the Greasy Spoon Cafe is the first is the owner of the first place Georgia ever did a gig. And he'll always remember that. And he's got a soft spot in his heart for her because of that. And even without knowing those right. things, I think you feel, you know, there's there's a real family, like community energy to it. It's very powerful. And it does, it sort of does um, echo your photography. Um, well, and, you know, and it's in that, well, it's obviously, it's black and white. Exactly. Presumably you shot on film. We did. Yeah. Well, we shot some of it on film, some. It's always budgets, isn't it, David? That's, yeah, yeah. But um, <laughs> it's almost like, I've spent a few years trying to get back to blue lights, I think. And sometimes, I think sometimes that happens when you're finding your feet with something, you know. And and actually what I love the most about that video is how I knew nothing about what I was meant to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I approached it in the only way I knew how, which was compose beautiful frames, invert stereotypes, and make sure you have a damn good cinematographer on board, you know. Again, that was Rena Yang. I mean, yeah, you know, lucky yeah. girl. <laughs> yeah, I had I had a really good run with Rena. I mean, you kind of sort of suggested that you 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 sort of moved away from that style to do what has been a very eclectic range mm-hmm. of work, really. And so, like your next video that I'm aware of was actually like quite a sort of big american video for for black and future yeah yeah how did that happen i won over lvrn the label with my pure charm in the (laughs) i mean how else does i'll tell you one brilliant video i went to see justice that's that's his name and he's super cool you know this cool guy he's called justice wears cool cool pants on instagram because he always (laughs) wears good trousers you know so i go to the ace hotel and i meet him and i'd written a treatment that was all based around Atlanta, you know, and I, I knew it was shooting in Atlanta. So I'd done all this research and had fallen in love with all these areas. And I went in and Justice said to me, yeah, you know, the reason we liked you was because everyone else who treated on this was like black in smoke in a dark room. And you were the only <laughs> one who didn't do that. So, you know, I was like, okay, fine. You know, and, <laughs> and what was really cool about that job was, um, I've really got time for the LVRN team. They're very cool. They're very forward thinking. They have a really interesting 
way of wanting to develop their artists, you know, with um, inverting expectations, you know, they're, they're very cool in that way. And one of the things, you know, it was an all male um, production, uh, not production team, sorry, management team. Um, mm. And one of the things that they wanted from me specifically as a female director was to bring out that sexuality back for black, you know, make him sexy, you know, that was kind of part of our prerogative. And, you know, D'Angelo, how does it feel is, is probably one of my favorite music videos of all time. <laughs> you know? Like, and, and we laugh, but let me defend myself. Um, it is so rare nowadays that male artists will put themselves in that position I find it less and less, you know, there's so much more about objects in the videos than they are about presenting themselves. That's such a raw and vulnerable video because he's allowing himself to be sexy for the viewer's eyes, you know, which which we don't often get. And I no. think there was something there was something that really blew me away about Black's performance that night. I will always remember it because he I'm very vocal when I'm on set. If, you know, unless we're recording sound, I am screaming up in someone's face because I'm <laughs> excited, you know. I'm like, move your head to the left, you know. And I, you know, the music and the, honestly, I leave with no voice. So um, he just fluidly took the notes and worked them in as he was doing it. And it was a really exciting moment, you know, that kind of symbiosis between director and an artist yeah it's 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 beautifully done another bit of a you know bit of a sex, sexy beast skepta <laughs> skepta yeah i mean it was a good run wasn't it you know now i'm thinking back you know and do you know honestly as a director i think that's one of the best and one of the most difficult ways in which a director could start her career because mm. by video four, you know, I'd been to Atlanta, I've done Georgia Smith, I've got um, future highest grossing rapper in America at the time, you know, black. I've come back to do this Skepta job who, you know, definitely at the time we shot that video was really peak British hero, you know. Mm. Um, working with Skepta, I'd worked with him a few times and, and you know, we have a we have a nice relationship. It's you know, it's based on, Skepta goes with how he feels. And he's a person who can be um, different on any given day, you know. And when we were shooting Pure Water, there were moments where it was like, sometimes he has this way of kind of creatively, creatively, he kind of takes things out that he knows he doesn't want. And it leaves you with a problem to solve, you know, but there's, a way he does it that is conducive to the creative process. I can't right. explain it better than that. Maybe that's <laughs> a bit mystical, but he is, he's a bit of a, you know, he's got that extra thing that those mythical talented people have. So yes. I mean, maybe we should, you should describe a little bit about the video uh, for pure water, what, what it is and the sort of kind of very interesting again sort of like experimental look that you gave that video you know almost like 20s kind of ex expressionist you know metropolis like look 
like if and if the twenties did the future, I think that's what it would look like. <laughs> the thing that I probably am most proud of in the pure water video is that like silver tone that mm. comes out in the black and white. You know, it's so photographic, mm. and it's you know, and and obviously in pure water, actually, Skept is pretty directive. You know, when it comes to his briefs, he knows very clearly, in my experience, what he wants. And so most of the video, you know, the the kind of premise of it, the the bones of it came from Skepta. And the part that I added in that really felt like my scene was the darkroom scene. I always put myself in the video in some way. There's always a rose in everything. You know, there's a there's a me in there. And I think for this video, that was that moment. It was a play on the fact that I knew I could capitalize on all of these amazing shots I had of him you know, as part of the visual. Um, and the guy who's in the darkroom in the video is is a literal assistant from my lab, you know, like that was important to me that, that those things were correct. I'll always think of things photographically, you know, and I think I have at times tried to turn away from that. And I think that's a mistake because I think that's where I succeed and that's where my work feels different is, is when I really follow that photographic sensibility and I think this is another really good example of it you know again I mean I've said the name Rena Yang too many times already but <laughs> another great mention for I call her Queena she's not Rena she's Queena for me. Um, but you know she the thing that I respect a lot about Rena is that when we first worked together her approach was to, because I had no idea how to guide her on lenses and, you know, film cameras. You know, like I said, I'm a, I'm a dinosaur. I'm, I'm analog. I use a Mamiya and a couple of lenses and that's me. Good, you know, light meter and I'm sorted. So she looked at my website and she pulled off some portraiture and she asked me about what lenses I use for my Mamiya, you know, and she based her eyes on my eyes and that's a very specific skill and she is right up the top of her game at that so you're listening to the promo news podcast talking music videos in association with loop talent make sure to subscribe on your favorite platform to hear more in the series i think it would be safe to say a video that really stood out as the the lowly young woman video it felt like that just really rose to the top and everyone was talking about it a little bit. How did how did that project come about? So I remember getting the brief in for that. And Lola at the time, I think she was only 19, if I remember rightly. And um, first things first, with music video, I have to connect to the music. And mm. that's a pretty instantaneous thing for me. I'll know very quickly if I feel something or don't. And that's not genre specific. So I listened to the music and, you know, you hear that first woman and I was like hmm. <laughs> and then you know I'm I'm pretty old school with my with my taste you know Lola can fucking sing you know yeah so we had this anthem of womanhood with this you know I'm 35 so to me she's a baby you know this baby <laughs> who can sing you know really like sing um and then mixed in with all of that her brief was all about how she wants to be vulnerable and how she would like to think about an approach that could, you know, that could involve nudity, that could involve these things, you know, and how do we do that? And that's brave, right? So then you've got the like trifecta, you know, the, the golden triangle of like talent, track is sick 
and we've got this brave thing who wants to, you know, move forward into this wild brief. Um, and it kind of just went from there, you know, me and Lola really vibed together. Uh, we both wanted to present a kind of, I guess, a slightly more unseen version of womanhood, you know, not about the perfections. In fact, it was all about the opposite, you know, and yeah. And I think what was incredible about that day and and probably for all of us that were on set, like pretty unforgettable about that day was we made it our mission to make sure that, you know, I think we had something like a 95% female crew on the day, which was very interesting in itself because it wasn't just me that felt it. You know, I, I remember yeah. a girl helping us with the projections part of the um, video and she's uh, because of the work they do, she's so often in, you know, like a gig situation with male crew, you know, and the locker room jokes and all of the stuff mm -hmm. that goes along with it. You know, I apologize for generalizing, but, um, you know, she came and said something to me on the day, like, you know, it was the first time, you know, she walked in and she took a look around and she was like, oh, you know, yeah. to all of this energy, she didn't even know she was holding because she was waiting to see who she was meeting that day, you know? And something happened when we were shooting that video. I don't know what it was, but like a, maybe it was like the spirit of Venus or something. There was <laughs> something entered us. Like, I can't explain it better than that. And there was just this moment when, you know, I had all of my girlies, everyone, you know, everyone's in some varying state of dress because, you know, you're getting to the point where you're like, right, now I'm, now I've got a bunch of, you know, girls in their robes and and we've got a quick fire through the last scene because the first AD has just told me we've only got 20 minutes or whatever. Yeah. So I'm like, right, how do we, you know, how do we pick up the mood again so that everyone feels comfortable? And, you know, I, it was me, I took my, I took my top off, took everything off. I'm in the video, <laughs> you know? So I'm like, right. And I said, anyone else, you know, on set who's, you know, who wants to come and be part of this video. I think we were feeling jealous, you know, we're shooting everyone. And as we're doing it, everyone's, the camaraderie was amazing. You know, you've got one girl flicking her hair and the, you know, the like roar from the models at the side, you know, all of us were stood there, you know, kind of doing the girl power thing. We had Lola's sister running across the studio, flinging her dress off the behind the scenes videographer. <laughs> I just remember she had a bodysuit on and that's coming down as she gets to the camera. <laughs> Everyone wanted their five seconds, you know, to be free in this yeah. environment where, um, where nudity was not anything to do with being sexualized. It was about appreciating the woman's body and appreciating it with, with feeling yeah. gorgeous and sexy and but it's for us you know the gaze was different yeah. on that shoot and and something yeah. really special happened i was going to ask you about <clears throat> the female gaze when we did a, a written q a about the lola young video knowing that you've you've, you've been so great at f photographing men but you also said that you sometimes actually had difficulty in you know taking photographs of women so was the video uh, sort of a way to address the balance? Um, I think career-wise, actually, that was on my mind, you know. And I think what I would say is I would I would rephrase what you said. I think I think it's less about kind of having a uh, like finding it difficult shooting women. Although I do think sidebar, um, there's a there is a weird psychology for a 
woman who shoots women, there's then like a kind of beauty thing that happens between you. You know, that that's all going on in the background of of any human's head, you know, no matter what genders you're putting in the room. But um, for me, it was more that it was very frustrating to shoot women because we are naturally more self-conscious because we've had the world around us is tailored to us needing to be young, thin, beautiful, pale, you know, mm -hmm. these are all things we know. It's a, it's an age old adage now that we hopefully push the conversation, you know, in a different direction. And actually I think that's exactly what I was trying to do with, with mm -hmm. Lola Young, you know, was we can wear our makeup, we can feel our best and also still convey that, the power of not giving a fuck as a woman, you know, and I think that is, you know, and and look, let's be real. I'm a, I'm a woman here talking to two men, right? That is something very real that we don't always get to feel in a way that men get to feel because there's certain consequences for a woman who doesn't give a fuck that there might mm -hmm. not be for a man. And mm -hmm. on, in that room, on that day, there was no consequence to not giving a fuck other than a roaring cheer from another group of women. And yes. that is very powerful. You know, we shed a tear, me and Lola, a few of us, we had a cry at the end of that. And it was just sheer freedom. It was sheer freedom. There was something very special that happened that day. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was about Amazing. to say, it sounds like you had a whale of a time. Yeah. <laughs> Wailing. We were literally wailing. <laughs> Let's move on to the next it's one we thing. saw was Jess Glynn. Now, that's kind of a bit of a curiosity. And moving to comedy. Yeah. Jess playing various characters. Yeah. And then after that's that, right. or about the same time, as two videos for Lancey Foo. Again, completely different. Yeah. So as I say, you've been experimenting, but what about the the Jess video to start with? So do you know what? I think I think always, and I think this probably has something to do with what I was saying before about my kind of my kind of torture between am I a photographer or not? And my dad's wrapped up into this and the daddy issues and the oh my god, <laughs> like this, you know. I think that's filtered into a lot of the the subject matter that, you know, like I do seem to oscillate between kind of dark and a bit dark and a bit sexy to mm. um like kind of funny and cheer like really perky you know perky joyful cheerful um and I think those are the two like very clearly the two sides of me as well um Jess Glynn for me was like a moment when it had been really hard to get the comedy out um I think it's much more frightening than leaning into the dark side mm. and maybe that's just for me in a way that it would be completely inverse for someone else but um Comedy is very easy to get wrong, right? So, and if you there's a vulnerability about it as well, mm. isn't yeah, there? Comedy, exactly. I think. What I like to think is quite a British, self-deprecating sort of sense of humour to it. And with COVID, you know, this was yeah bloody Christmas at COVID time. You know, the scarf in the video says "fuck COVID" in in Jesslyn, <laughs> and and to me that was just like that was the sentiment of the whole of Christmas. You know, it's the reason that we started with Hanukkah on a Christmas song, you know, because like, mm. oh, this year has been a mess, you know, <laughs> let's just 
let's put all of those feelings in a warm, cozy place because maybe Christmas this year will save us, regardless of your religion. You know, it's it's mm. about a time of year where we come together as people, as a community. And that was kind of the sense that I wanted to impart with that sprinkle of Olivia Rose lols, you know. It's lols. I'm a, I'm a cheap bag <laughs> kind of a girl. So. <laughs> it was also, you know, we were shooting at the end of the year. You know, everyone had, you know, we'd all sort of picked up this busy year out of nowhere after nothing. You know, I know that that's kind of happened for everyone. Um, and it was a sort of funny time to be shooting. I mean, it, I still think it is. I still think it's, you know, even though things feel a lot more normal now than they did last year, um, things have changed. And accepting that is not the easiest process. I think we touched upon the Lancy video. So maybe if we were to jump ahead a little bit more into this year, and I think it was the start of September, wasn't it? The Sasha Keeble and Georgia Smith video. Yeah. Which is, it's a very direct kind of performance. Yeah. Is this kind of, um, again, trying something new, trying to be just a little bit more direct or did it kind of just come with the concept? Do you know, I think Sasha and Georgia is... That's a video again, you know, I really emotionally connected to the track. That was the first thing. Um, mm. I knew with Sasha and Georgia, you know, there's as a director, you have to um not weigh up what's the uh strategize. You have to strategize your percentage chance of being able to direct the artist well, right? So mm. in this case, I knew that you know, I'd met Sasha before and I know Georgia well. So I was like, right, I can push the performance here. Um, and like I said to you before, you know, my favorite music videos, you know, if it's not D'Angelo, it's Sinead O'Connor, nothing compares because we have really lost the art of simplicity. It's yeah. something that the photographer in me needs and wants to return to. Um, I, I get asked far too often when I write my really, my most simple ideas, you know, but what will keep the viewer engaged? And the answer there is your artist's performance. Yeah. And, you know, that this was a video where I was like, right, I'm sort of 90% sure that me, Georgia and Sasha is going to work really well. It's going to work well in person and that I can sort of, you know, be doing the thing that I do best, which is getting... I, sh I need to stop saying shouting at people because that's a really like negative <laughs> semantic way of putting it. Um, what's the right way of putting it? Because it's more like impassioned screeching. That's what it is. <laughs> right? Honestly, it has to be that word because it's a very annoying sound, right? And everyone on set, I'm sure, is fed up after like 20 minutes. But um, I really feel it in the moment. And that's the photographer in me, you know, knowing that if I was looking through my camera right now, this is what I would be saying. This is the, you know, I'm sort of well known as a photographer when I'm really into it. And when I'm loving the picture, the the sounds, the my words <laughs> don't come out anymore. You know, I'll be trying to direct you and I'll be like, left hand, top head. And, you know, it's like and I have to sort of calm myself down. I'm 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 really passionate. Excitable. Yeah, well, exactly, exactly, yeah. you know. And honestly, I think it's one of my strengths because, look, I'm the kind of person that will walk into a room, don't care if it's, like, straight onto set or if it's, you know, walking with my camera bag, just me. I'll trip over myself, pour my coffee all down myself, <laughs> do some sort of screech, get up, <laughs> laugh about it, you know, and, and suddenly the ice is broken and then you realise that you and Mary J. Blige are just both people and, yeah, you spill coffee <laughs> on it. You know, it's, that's how I want to live my life, like... 
hierarchy, you know, this, this kind of pandering to people, this yes man mentality, this, oh, they're the artists, we mustn't, you know, ask them anything, say any, we mustn't critique them, you know, I just, I don't believe in that. And I think that's always, that's always put me in really good stead with the people that I meet, because I think they can quite quickly just see that we're all, you know, I'm a silly old human, and I'm going to treat you like a silly old human, you know, <laughs> nobody's too good to, to move a chair out of the way. So what was the key, apart from that one-to-one connection with Sasha and Georgia? I mean, you mentioned the song, which is kind of heartbreaking, or it's kind of like an interest, it's an interesting song about um, the the female character sort of yeah. trying to rehabilitate herself in order to get out of, a, out of an abusive relationship. Isn't that yeah. right? Yeah, I think... Um... I mean, I think the sentiment is that, you know, it's it's moving on from from the pain of the relationship. Exactly. You know, and I think um, I think there was something sort of unexpected that happened in a way, you know, when I, I knew that I wanted these, you know, it, and it's almost like, you know, the, the water down the window being the lighting effect. You know, it's almost like the trope mm. of of the sad femme fatale woman, you know, and there was something something in those hats and those looks that said mourning to me, you know, the, the mm. death of, of love. And then we had the sort of white, wet Grecian goddess rebirth of a more staid, more poised kind of version of, of female confidence, I guess. Um, and then in between you, you sort of had the, the red lips, the super close ups, the nails, the kind of symbolic things, the dice, the rose, you know, that, that mm. were, they're in their own way, sort of tantalizing, sexual, they're, um, what's the word, tactile, you know, they're, mm. they're things you can imagine the feeling of, of juggling dice in your hand, you know, and I think it was that, it was that fullness of a picture of woman which I suppose going back to your question about my my sort of history photographically being very focused on masculinity and then again this being another real foray into femininity and and mm. the power of the power of vulnerability I suppose you know for the yeah. women and how that is always wrapped into sexuality how that is always wrapped into you know rebirthing yourself every time we're sort of we feel trodden on you know it's another process of rebirthing ourselves and I think that's a very sort of convoluted and academic way of of kind of um rationalizing what was a much more instinctive process on the day you know because yeah because we didn't need to say that to each other we all knew what the song felt like inside and I think those were the things I was trying to play with, you know, and and really, honestly, with with both of the girls, they're great performers, you know, and and there's very little that needs to be done. You know, I was kind of more uh, um, a blocking tool for the frame, you know, <laughs> the rest was all up to the girls, you know, and I mean, killing me was a real return to the photographic for me. And I think a good move, you know, I think I think it's um, an aesthetic that will always feel very stylistically mine in a way that some of my other work has, you know, sort of jumped out of that circle somehow. But um, that was me playing with 
you know, a set of images that I loved from 80s fashion photography, you know. And I think that was part of the, now I am academically rationalizing it. That's part of the joy, you know. It's, that was a time when we were really, call it fetishized, call it, you know, we, we all know the, the history of advertising. Um, and it was, in, it was an interesting reference to go back to those photographs you know, that that perhaps weren't taken with the same intention a photographer in 2021 would would take them with, you know. Now, Olivia, you've been at various production companies through your journey um, making music videos so far. And now um, you're at Stink, Stink Films. Um, yes, you're right. I've um, I've definitely gone from place to place, which uh, everyone always told me you must never do. Um but I always think that you have to get through a couple of jobs before you really know if you're working well with people. And for me, I needed to to kind of play the field. If we talk about it in dating analogies, you know, um, partly due to my own commitment phobia. You know, I think I'm I'm as much a reluctant director as I was a reluctant photographer. So I'm still maybe consolidating that with myself. You know that there has been something that I feel. You know, I do. I do feel like there's something different with Stink. There's, um, there's kind of a, a feeling throughout everyone that I've met so far that that is part of the company that, um, that I would legitimately want to be at their like Christmas party. Is that a really good way of putting it? I think so. You know, that's always a good one. It's always a yeah. good sign. I feel like I'm in very good hands, and so. Yeah, they they have proposed and they have and I have accepted. So we do hope that you will both come. <laughs> We'd be delighted. <laughs> yeah. Love a wedding, don't we, Rob? Oh yeah, yeah. Now you're talking. <laughs> <laughs> I think that the the yeah, congratulations. Looking Thanks. forward to the invite. Um, <laughs> I think the the last kind of um, question are: What are the plans for the future? Are you going to continue? Um, your photography and directing in tandem I've definitely been on a directing hiatus that's what I'll call Mm. it Um, and it's funny because it does sometimes come in in ebbs and flows and and at the moment I'm really missing photography which is going from the reluctant photographer to a person who misses that craft is really nice thing for me you know so I think that was that was meant to be and and I think actually that what I'm really interested in doing, you know, is is seeing how I can push, seeing how I can push my work commercially um, while still keeping my kind of ethical and moral sensibilities intact. I am a a real fighter for equity, you know, for for people. And, and we don't have it yet, even though we are a very forward thinking industry, you know, and it's important that we keep pushing on that. And especially, you know, when you spill over into the commercial side of things. But um but my true heart uh, has a new goal in mind, Ooh. and that is combining combining my love of words with my love of of moving image and saying what I'm sure everyone fucking says, which is I want to go into features. But what they probably <laughs> won't say is I am going to win an Oscar, and I'm very excited about it. So, wow. unfortunately, I can't invite you guys to that ceremony. But <laughs> I do hope you'll clap for me when it happens. When well, is that going to happen? It's, it's, uh... <laughs> oh, now you see, David, this is the most important pit, bit. I will never put a timeline on that because I don't need right. that kind of pressure. All I know 
is that it's in the works. So and we have it uh, right. exclusively here, am I right? Is this the first time it's on record? <laughs> I think it might this be. Is, so you've wow. got the, sounds like you've got something planned. You've got big plans, something, and it's going to be amazing. Do you know what? Um, I find that if you say something on record, you can't take it back. So exactly. I know myself, I've just, I've just <laughs> given myself a psychological kick up the bum, my friends, because now it's on record. I have to go and fucking do it. Otherwise I failed. So exactly yeah. That. And yeah. And everyone listens it. to this podcast, you know, yeah, as well. That's so. it. They're getting now. <laughs> uh, Olivia yeah, Rose you put yourself out there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. That well, sounds like a good point to say thank you very much. We'll see you at the wedding. Yes, yeah, see you at the we'll wedding. See you there. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks so much. This has been the Promo News Podcast, talking music videos with David Knight and Rob Ulitsky of Promo News in association with Loop Talent. Our thanks again to Olivia and to Hannah Belil and Susan Zhang at Stink Films. You can find links to the videos discussed in this podcast and to more work by Olivia Rose in the description of this podcast and also at promonews.tv, the home for the latest in music video creativity and production news. And subscribe to the Premier News podcast to hear more of our conversations with leading creatives in the music video industry. Bye for now.